0: I'm Donald. This is my wife, Hannah. We're going to sing, a, sing one song um, before we get... Then after that we can show the video, that'd be great. He's called us to a hungry nation. Almost 10 million people with less than 10 good Bible-believing churches. This song here is Tell Me the Story of Jesus. We, I'm, sure, I'm sure everyone here has probably heard the song. But when we see it, do we think of the words? If Pastor gets up, he gets ready, he says, all right, let's turn our Bibles to John chapter 3 or Romans chapter 3. You say, ah, oh, he's just talked about the salvation story again. I already know that. Does anyone ever get bored of that? <laughs> do we love to hear it? Or does he say, I know this. I'm just, I'll sit back, relax, enjoy it, enjoy it because I know it's good. What are your thoughts on it? Does it thrill our souls to hear the gospel story? Does it thrill our souls to have the opportunity to tell the gospel story? How do we feel about the story of Jesus? I love saying, I love to tell the story of the first song. And it just said, well, obviously we've got to sing this one. So it was saying, Tell me, tell me the
1: story of Jesus. Tell me the story of Jesus, write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang they welcomed his birth Glory to God in the highest Peace and good tidings to earth Tell me the story of Jesus Write on my heart every word Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Fasting alone in the desert, tell of the days that are past, how for since he was tempted, yet. Despised and afflicted Homeless, rejected, and poor Tell me the story of Jesus Write on my heart every word Tell me the story most precious Sweetest that ever was heard Tell of the cross where they nailed him Writhing in anguish and pain Tell of the grave where they laid him Tell how he liveth again Love in that story so tender Clearer than ever I see. Stay, let me weep while you whisper. Love paid the ransom for me. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious
0: Hi, I'm Donald, it's my wife Hannah, we have our three boys, James, Elijah, and Silas. We are missionaries to shine the light of the glorious gospel God has given us to the nation of Hungary, a nation of over 9 million people, almost 10 million, with very few good Bible-believing churches. Hungary, they were completely pagan until about 1000, the year 1000. When King Stephen, the first king of Hungary, King Stephen the first, turned the country over to the Catholic religion. He started integrating Catholicism into the pagan worships, the pagan ceremonies and converting them to be Catholics. A lot of the superstitions, the ways of doing their ceremonies, ended up being integrated into the Catholic religion in Hungary. In Hungary, you'll see about 37% of them still claim to be Catholics. Atheists are at 18%, and you're down to 16% before you get to the different Protestant Christian religions, but that includes Jehovah's Witness, there's Lutheran, there's the Baptist Union, which is highly Calvinistic in their theology, you're actually less than 1% of the nation of Hungary Bible believers. Of the churches I know of in Hungary, in different missionaries, you're at less than 10. You're at around 1 million souls per Bible-believing church in Hungary.
2: The people of Hungary are very kind and um, thoughtful. They're very hospitable. And they enjoy practicing your English. They like uh, being around Americans and just being able to try to speak English with us, especially the newer generation who has to learn English in the schools as part of their business training. And there are some that have not had good experiences with Americans. And those will have to work a little bit harder at with sharing the gospel with them and getting to build relationships with them. God has given me complete and perfect peace about going and living in Hungary among the Hungarian people. For me, it was important to be able to feel like I was at home among the Hungarians. And he allowed me to have a connection with the people because I lived in Poland before. They have a similar mentality and a similar culture as the Hungarians. So that helped me to be able to have a connection with the people, even though I didn't speak the language yet. And that was very important for me. And I have complete and perfect peace that this is where God wants us to go.
0: We will be teaming up with the Andrazics, Jonathan and Elizabeth Andrazic, and they—they they actually recently started a church in what was the name of that place?
2: No, Beatur Baj.
0: Yeah, I can't—I can say Biatur <laughs> I say I say it wrong all the time.
2: <laughs> Baj.
0: Hungarian. It's one of the hardest languages in the world and it is listed as being the hardest language in europe to learn since but with both of us before we were married we knew the lord was directing us to the mission field Uh, we talked about several times um, before we got married having said that the lord wasn't showing us that the time was now Uh, shortly after we got married we uh, we went on a survey trip to Romania, visited Poland, uh, the Czech Republic. We were flying in and out of Hungary, so there was missionary in Hungary we stayed with overnight. But we were in uh, Brother Pranger's church. He had started there. I think it was towards the end of the service. One of the... she was like a middle-aged lady. I don't, I don't remember her name. But she, she started breaking down and crying because this was the last church service she knew of that she'd be able to attend. It wasn't because she didn't want to. Uh, the prayers had led her to the Lord through their ministry. But she was getting ready to move to another spot in Hungary. Where there were no churches that she could attend. If she was going to be, go to church there... It was not going to be a church that preached Christ. It was not going to be a church that preached the Bible the way it's supposed to be. There was nothing there in that part of Hungary she was going to move to. She'd have to travel two and a half hours or so to get to a good church where she could hear the Bible preached. And it broke her heart. It broke my heart seeing there's parts of this country where people will need to travel two and a half hours to hear the truth. It's not right. The Lord put it on my heart then saying, I know you came here to serve a trip to Romania, but there's a need right here in Hungary and it's not being met. Our sitting church is Trinity Baptist in Scottsburg, Indiana, with Pastor Daryl Johnson, a place where we have served and grown in the Lord for the past few years. We will be partnering with Fundamental Baptist Worldwide Mission to reach the people of Hungary with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Three boys, but Pastor already said we have four now. The oldest, four and a half. The youngest, about six months. Praise the Lord for them. They do try to slow me down. But, and I apologize also for being late today. If I'm if I'm less than half hour early, I'm late. And I was like three minutes early. It just did not work in my head. So, I, anyways, that does not work for me. Any questions, though, about us, about hungry, about the... Um, Ministry, any, any questions at all? Yes, sir. I forget where you said you received your Bible um, college training. Yes, I went to Indiana Baptist College. It's a small college uh, just on the south side of in Indianapolis. They basically teach, here's what the Bible says, here, here's how you, um, you just, in, they say interpret it the way it says it, and they teach the Bible, for being the Bible-led it, do most of the teaching. I love that. Okay, so you know Brother Reed. Yes, great guy. Great guy. Any other questions?
1: About the the language. Have you started uh, lessons in Hungarian yet?
0: I'd have to say no for the most part on that. I do
1: uh,
0: a few small things, such as uh, very, very, very limited. We've been looking up to try to give us at least a small head start so we can... Uh, basically enough to barely get us by, and but the language we're waiting on going to language school there, so we learn it their way and don't have to try to relearn it. A lot of different mit- people have suggested go to language school there, don't try to do it first, I mean, th- because of all the headaches and stuff that that could cause. So we're, when we go there, we'd like to be able to. Once we learn the language, sound almost like a national. That's our, our prayer, our desire. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, Jonathan Andrzejczyk, he's actually a national. He was born and bred there. His dad is a pastor there. And his uncle's a pastor there. So that, that that's him. Um, Elizabeth, she grew up in Michigan. She, her dad's a pastor in Michigan. They met on a mission trip. So we are going to be working with him. He's going to be our main translator while we're there until we get the language down. And we'll team up with him, helping out his church while we work on the language and culture. Yes, sir. Yes, that's a that's a longer story. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I grew up in church, and trusted Christ when uh, I'll give you the, the brief, abbreviated, short version. Um, uh, grew up in college, or grew up in church. Went to Indiana Baptist College. I trust Christ, my Savior, when I was eleven. I was at Camp Assurance in Georgetown, Illinois. I don't remember the preacher that day, but that was. It's a brief answer to the question. I'll probably go into more for you. Yes, sir. I will say they'll probably get a blend of all three there. Um, having said that raised Catholic, you probably know, know this a little more more so than I do. My wife, she was a missionary in Poland, and they're even more Catholic than Hungary. Um, but if, if the Catholic over there trust Christ their Savior, they pretty much their family assumes they died. Sometimes even has a funeral for them. Just because they trust Christ. Having said that, giving the gospel there is actually fairly easy. We have more freedom of religion there than we do here, even. Um, we can pretty much give the gospel to anybody, and especially on first meeting, they'll listen to you and try to be polite, not to offend you. Especially means we're Americans and they're curious what Americans believe, too. And, but as to will they actually turn and trust Christ their Savior, that's definitely going to be the minority. The very few. But at least we'll be able to give them the gospel. We'll give them that. Any other questions? Well, I'll jump off of a little bit about... uh, your question there, asking a little bit about my testimony. My testimony, anyone, anyone ever, you, anyone know the verses Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? All right, we often quote those. We do it all the time. Um, it's one of, one of my favorite verses. We, I, I put that as my life verse. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Um, I pretty much like to. I'm the kind of guy who likes to plan everything out, do to, to figure everything out, have all the answers. And Lord's had to show me that that I don't have all the answers. I am pastor, your pastor probably has all the answers. You ask him. But no, the Lord—we don't have all the answers. The Lord has all the answers. We don't, anyways. So the Lord, the Lord, basically is using Proverbs three, five, and six to show me I don't have all the answers. But anyone know verse seven? Don't think of verse seven? Exactly. Most people don't ever think of verse seven. Because not only are we trusting the Lord with all our heart and not our own understanding, but He emphasizes that in verse seven. Says, "Be not wise in thine own eyes; fear the Lord and depart from evil." Just because something seems like the way to go in our minds, our little minds, doesn't mean it's the way to go. Anyways, that's been the what the Lord has been hammering down on me. Don't trust my own understanding, because. It's failed me more than once. Um, the biggest example I got of this is actually a primary part of my testimony. I trusted Christ when I was 11, but that was after having grown up in church. I grew up in a church where I knew the gospel from a young age. My parents gave it to me in devotions every pretty much... Every night, I knew the answers. I knew scripture memory was one of my things I was strong at. In my class, I was among the tops. They put me in the Bible quizzing, in my class at church. And, But that doesn't mean I was a Christian. Everyone thought I was a Christian. I made a profession of faith when I was five. I got baptized when I was five. But I did it just because that's what everyone expected of me. Then next thing you know, living in my, own, my pride, I said, everyone thinks I'm saved. I knew I wasn't. I, I was, a, I was the scared of storms, scared of noises in the dark, scared of the alligators under my bed. I was scared of everything because I just knew that if something happened, I knew exactly where I'd go. I knew the gospel. I knew the Lord was real. I knew it. I knew it. But my pride was saying, "They think you've already done it. If you come out now and trust Christ your Savior, they'll say you're a liar." Then the preacher at camp—he's talking about when in Num in the book of Numbers. This was th- Thursday, so he'd been already hammering at me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And now Thursday evening, he talks about the ground opening up underneath and swallowing, swallowing some of the children of Israel because of their sin. He said, if the ground opened up under this chapel today and your chair fell down, would the Lord be holding the other end of the rope to save you? Have you asked him to save you? If you haven't asked him, He's not holding the end, the other end. That day I said, Lord, I give up. I'm done. I trust Christ my Savior that day. Anyways, we'll fast forward a few years. And um, now I'm working, getting ready to get married. And I've got my life planned out, by the way. Uh, I know the Lord wants me to be in missions. So I've got it all. I, I've planned it out. I said, this is how I'm going to go, this is where I'm going to go, this is how I'm going to get there, and this is how the deputation is going to go, and I'm getting ready to get married, so I already had my family planned out, and had my kids planned out, and I had it all planned out. I was a strategist, I had to figure it out. So I let the Lord know all my plans, and we're good to go, right? Well, then next thing, he he decides, Donald, you just slow down. I was working two jobs at the time because um, I just bought a brand new 2003 Honda Accord. It only had 147,000 miles on it, it was a brand new car, and got myself in debt. That was the newest car I had ever owned, by the way, with the fewest miles. I mean, it was pretty good, um, but. I had to pay off the car debt because I was getting ready to get married. I wanted to get married. I'd be debt free. I had college to pay off. So I was I'm, I'm just going, going, going. And so one job was only four days a week. The other job was five days a week. But then on the weekends, because um, I was a good Christian kid, I had to make sure everybody knew it. So I was doing the visitation. And I was basically going 24-7, almost literally, and the Lord said, Donald, time to slow down. Get ready to leave my night job at 6 o'clock because I worked a little bit of overtime. Got to be at the day job at 8. So I say, I'm too tired to drive. Just lean back in my seat and go to sleep. So I hop in the car, lean the driver's seat back and go to sleep. About three weeks later, I wake up looking at a hospital ceiling. i rear-ended a semi while I was sleeping. The police say I was probably going about 80 miles an hour or so. Tucked my car underneath the back. He was actually slowing down a little bit. Um, so he was going about 40. That doesn't do much for your brand-new Honda Accord, by the way. They didn't think they'd get me out of the car alive. Um... My brain was swelling. They cut off half my skull just to keep it from imploding on itself. And they started talking to my family. My fiancé at the time about taking me off a of life support, saying that there's no point to it. He's going to be a vegetable if it, when he wakes up. He's just going to be a vegetable. Won't be able to walk. Won't be able to talk. He won't be able to do much of anything. So she gets people... Uh, her and my family, they get people praying for me around the world. People at the college were praying for me, had their friends and their churches praying for me. But while I laid there in the hospital, staring up at the ceiling, I said, Lord, why? Anyone ever asked the Lord why? I couldn't talk to anybody. So I was looking at the ceiling saying, Lord, why would you let this happen to me? I'm the good kid. I was the quiet kid. I'm the kid the teachers like to have in their class. I'm smart. I'm one of the smarter ones. Well, don't look at my college grades necessarily for that. But besides, that's what I was telling the Lord. I said, Lord, this is me. I've been on bus visitation, started bus routes, been on visitation, preached downtown. Told lost people out at Christ. Went to ra- rallies to hand out tracts and stuff. Lord, why would you let this happen to me? I'm getting ready to get married and go into missions. Why would you let this happen to me? In that verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. He brought that up to my mind and said, This, this trust me. Just trust me. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into thine understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. He shall direct thy paths. Always acknowledge him, by the way, that includes staring up at hospital ceilings. Is that part of all? He, another word he brought to my mind is whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. That includes staring up at the hospital ceiling to the glory of God. It's not my favorite thing to do. But if that's what the Lord has us do, that's what, that's what we can do. But it is while I was staring up to the ceiling, I said, Lord, I'm going to completely leave you out. I'm not going to tell another person about you. I'm not going to speak your name again. I was going to was telling him, I'm going to live a life of an atheist. And I, I went through the whole reason with the Lord. I went through all I had done for him and all the reasons why he had done what he had let me happen to me was not a good idea. And I I was staring at the ceiling. There wasn't much else I could do. So I, I fought with the Lord. And he's just saying, trust me. In Hungary right now, they might be good Catholics. But that's one of the things they're saying we've been good Catholics for the, over the, a thousand years. And look what all the Lord has let it happen to us. We've gone through communism, we've gone through war after war after war. Then they look and say there's another war going on right next door and they're scared that that a lot of their supplies and stuff will be cut off. They're scared that communism might come back in. They're scared They say, Lord, why would you let all this happen to us? We're the good people. We've been good Catholics. Why? So a lot of them are turning to atheism. Atheism is the fastest growing religion in Hungary. It's it's also a fast growing religion here. It's growing rapidly there. It's at 18% and rising are atheists right now. What was the difference, though, between me and them? I had this book. I had the Bible. I had the Word of God. I knew Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. A pastor didn't come up and read that to me while I was laying in the hospital bed. I knew it. A pastor didn't come up and say, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. Is that what you tell someone laying on a hospital bed? Not normally, but that's what the Lord told me. It wasn't a preacher came up and did it. I had the Bible. I knew it. In Hungary, less than 10 good Baptist churches. Almost 10 million people. This book is not very bright there at all. Actually, it does shine brightly where it is. They were talking about in the video a lady who was getting ready to go to a city about twelve, about two hours away, from the closest good church that she knew of. Figure out later that's the city of Miskolc. Miskolc is the fourth largest city in Hungary. Over 160,000 people. No good Bible preaching church. The people in Mishkok, when they look and say, obviously the Lord doesn't care about us, the only thing they have to look at is the Catholic Church or maybe a few Protestant churches. They don't have God to turn to because they don't see Him. Our prayers the Lord lets us come over there. Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 33. This is the one of the verses the Lord, one of the passages the Lord uses to tell to tell me, Donald, you need to be a soul winner. It doesn't matter what's going on. Ezekiel chapter 33. Actually, look at verse number 8. Verse number, eight no, verse number 7. Verse number 7 says, So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked of his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he did not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. As Christians, we are watchmen for Christ. If the Lord lays it on your heart, go and tell that person about the Lord, go and give that person a gospel tract, go and tell this person about the Lord, such as cashiers, you might, the cashiers at Burger King, McDonald's, the, the waitress, cashiers at the grocery store, you know, wherever we are, our next door neighbor, all those people, we have opportunities to tell them about the Lord. Do we? Do we take the time to at least hand out a gospel tract, at the very least, just hand, hand out a tract and say, Lord, put on my heart to invite you to church. If that's all you say, or if you die today, you know, would, do you know you go to heaven? This can tell you how. You know, at the very least, the Lord's laid on our hearts to go to Hungary. He says, I want you there. If we say no, then who knows how much blood will be on our hands because we did not go to tell the people of Hungary. For now if we're at the grocery store, at the restaurant if we don't hand those people those people attract at least their blood's on our hands Also if you could turn to Revelation chapter 20 Revelation chapter 20, why do we even worry about telling them about the Lord? Why does it even bo- why should we even bother? If we decide we're not going to tell, tell them about the Lord, it's basically saying, "You don't care about them." wishing them to what we're about to see in Revelation chapter 20. in verse 10 the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works, and the sea of the dead which were in it. And death and hell were del- delivered up the dead which were in them. And there, they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Something to think about your next door neighbors is there a name written in the book of life? Do we even know? The cashier we always see when we go to the store maybe we will pick, pick her their line to go through whatever the person behind you in the line in, at the store in front of you is their name written in the book of life? Do we even know? Do we take the time to find out? At the restaurants, the waitresses, cashiers, people we see, is their name written in the book of life? Do we even know? Do we even care that they may be going to that lake of fire where we saw in verse number 10, tormented day and night forever and ever? Are we wishing that on them by not telling telling them about the Lord? We saw in Ezekiel chapter 33, the watchman's job is to tell. Sound that alarm. Sound the alarm. A good alarm verse is Romans six twenty-three: For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is our alarm verse. Are we sounding the alarm and saying, death is coming, but there's a way out? Or we're we basically wishing that they go spend eternity in the lake of fire? What are we doing? When I was laying on the hospital bed, staring up at the ceiling, at the end of that conversation with the Lord, where I just told Him I was going to live the life of an atheist, He said, "Trust me." I told Him, "Lord, the rest of my life is Yours. If I can never walk, talk again, if I'm a vegetable for the rest of my life, riding around in a wheelchair, it doesn't matter. The rest of my life is Yours." Praise the Lord. He helped me get to where I can stand up, walk, and talk again. I'm not 100% recovered. I probably never will be until I one day reach glory. But he's called me to be a watchman. My job is to sound the alarm. My job is not to make the people turn from the wicked ways and trust in him. My job is to say, Please turn. One last verse to look at. Actually, back in Ezekiel 33. This should be our message. This would be the urgency of our message. Of our message. Back in Ezekiel chapter 33. Verse 10. Look at verse 10. So thou, O Son of Man, speak to the house of Israel. Thus ye speak, saying, If, you, if our transgressions and our sins be upon us, we pine away in them, how shall we then live? Saying to them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil way, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? What is the urgency of our plea? Does he sound like, does it sound like the Lord's plea, pleading with them? Saying, Please turn from your wicked ways, trust in me. We saw in verses 8 and 9 when I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked of his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thine hand. How much blood is on our hands now? How much blood is on our hands? How many people has the Lord told us to share the gospel with? How many chances have have we just passed by where we could hand out some gospel tracts? Tell people about Christ. Have we even told our next door neighbors? How much blood is on our hands now? If we don't go to Hungary, their blood's on our hands. Verse 9 Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way, to turn from it. If he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity. But thou hast delivered thy soul. Not everyone's going to listen. It's not our job to make them turn. It's our job to plead with them. Say, please, turn from your wicked ways. Trust the Lord. The way to sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Which one are you choosing? Which one are you choosing? Turn ye. Turn ye from your evil way. For why will ye die? He's talking specifically to the house of Israel. But what about Lafayette? What about Hungary? Are we doing our part?
3: Thank you, Donald, for that testimony and that challenge from the word of God. I definitely see that God has burdened uh, both of them for country of Hungary and appreciate his passion and uh, his burden for the lost and I know it has been a challenge uh, to me uh, even tonight once again and to hear uh, his burden for the people of Hungary and for the lost around the world and it reminds us of the opportunities that God gives us and to be looking for those windows of opportunity, those divine uh, opportunities that God gives us. And uh, there is a great need, and we see it every day. And may the Lord continue to give us opportunity to share the gospel both here and to support missionaries uh, like the Coopers and others that we support uh, to continue to spread the gospel uh, all around the world. Uh, We are thankful for uh, the Coopers being with us, and uh, the reason he was late, if I can give a little bit of an excuse for him, is for some reason his... um, Uh, Address took him to Lafayette Christian School uh, where the church used to meet. And uh, so um, he had to figure out another way to the correct location of Berean Baptist Church. But uh, apparently there was an old address or something that uh, was on the map there and uh, sent him to the wrong place. But I appreciate his good communication uh, throughout the the previous months and uh, thankful for uh, their ministry. Um, in just a moment, we'll we'll close in prayer. Um, they'll be back at the back table, and uh, invite you to uh, to wait back there. And invite our church family to visit with them this evening, and uh, we will uh, be providing an honorarium for you all. Um, so we'll make sure that we get that to you in the coming weeks. Um, but we appreciate your uh, ministry to us tonight, and may the Lord continue to bless you as uh, you raise support. And hopefully we can stay in contact. And uh, anything you want to tell us about uh, your table uh, before we uh, close in prayer?
0: On our table, there's a prayer cards. Feel free to grab one, take one. We'd love love for you to pray for us. Prayer is one of the most important ways of support we can even have. We'd like the money (laughs) to
3: Thank you. All right. right, we'll, we'll close in a word of prayer. And uh, again, feel free to stop by the table there in the back. Uh, but at this time I'll ask Sam Jones if uh, he'll stand and close us in prayer and uh, then we'll be dismissed. Amen.